We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, one of the most important aspects of personal responsibility is that which we take by exploring our emotional reactions and responses. And one of the most important aspects of that exploration is confronting our emotional illusions. Betsy Otter Thompson has written many books, including The Mirror Theory, Love Parent, Love Human, You Are What You Think, The What Happens If I book, and the topic of today's discussion, Walking Through Illusion. Walking Through Illusion is an emotional biography in which Betsy challenges herself and her readers to consider various aspects of personal illusion. This experiential workbook uses characters from Jesus' life to demonstrate that walk and then offers specific exercises to challenge the reader. Today, we'll be talking about that book as it relates to your personal journey, your own emotional biography. For as she tells us, we don't take our beliefs, which could be our illusions, with us, just the love we found within them. Betsy has worked largely in media at radio stations, but has also worked as a commercial print model and acted in television commercials in Philadelphia and New York. For several years, she worked in Los Angeles at Castle Rock Entertainment and later at Warner Brothers. She retired in 2005 and is now writing full-time. And we're very glad to have her here today to talk about her book, Walking Through Illusion. Welcome, Betsy, to the... Oh, thank you, Andrea. I'm glad to be here. Well, first I want to say congratulations on a book that has the potential to help others who choose to transform to do so. But second, and I'm sure you know we have to do this first, you chose a format for your book that is a conversation with Jesus in a similar fashion, slightly similar, to Neil Donald Walsh's conversations with God. You ask a question and get an answer. Why did you choose that particular format? Well, I guess you'd have to go back to uh, when I decided to honor the gift, which was um, maybe 20 years ago. And um, when I decided to, I had actually it had shown up when I was around five, but I, I went through a traumatic experience with telling someone about it. And so I didn't honor it again until midlife. And um, when I did, and I realized that, I okay, I have this gift. I can talk to spirit. So what is it I want to know? Um, what questions do I want to ask? Who do I want to speak to? So I had been raised Episcopalian, but I hadn't been in the church for years and years. And um, it was uh, I didn't I wanted to know whether what I had been told about Jesus was true or not true. 
and uh, what I could learn on by doing this myself. So I just basically just started asking questions, and then the answers came, and I started writing them down. I didn't know they were going to develop into a book, but that's that's exactly how it began. And so um, it's just the questions I asked, and then the answers that came. And it, I began this at a time in my life when I was almost a bag lady, so I was really desperate for answers. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because of my what my life was uh you know, where my life was at that time. Right, right. And so it was the ideas in the book that really uh, helped to turn my life around completely and uh and then they became they eventually became the book. Wonderful. Yeah, so I, I guess, you know, the thing is that some people uh, in our listening audience might not be comfortable with the idea of having a conversation with Jesus and that's fine. We, uh, you can give it any one, any kind of name you want to give it. Right. But uh, the book questions and answers a lot of things uh, when it, that happen within each of us. Even though you're using sort of a um, uh, personality uh, history of the people that were in Jesus's life, these people can be metaphorical. They can be and and they can be useful in terms of being able to sort of dialogue with one's own self. So I just want to put that out there for the listening audience. If there's anyone just uncomfortable with the, with that concept, certainly we can work it with the same emotional biography anyway at all. Right, because the the, the whole book is about what the illusion is, and the and the illusion is um, uh, everything you see here, taste, smell, and touch. Uh, and and everything real is what you feel about it. So that's what the whole book is about, is about what you feel when you read it. You could use any name for Jesus. It it doesn't change anything in the book if you change the name um, to Harry. And um, so it's... uh, in fact, in the in the first book of the Mirror Theory, I have to tell you, I was I was still embarrassed about using the name Jesus myself, and so I used the name Charlie in the, in the first book in the Mirror Theory because I was afraid what people would say. But then um, I, I got a little more courage with the second book, and I said, "Well, I'm just going to go out there and 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 uh, put it out there and and um, trust that if I just tell the truth of what as I believe it to be, that everything will be fine and everything has been fine." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we got to follow our own inner lead. Yeah, so it really doesn't matter. It isn't about who it is, you know. Um, the purpose of the book is not to debate who is right or who is wrong in terms of what happened then. The purpose of the book is to encourage people to live what is right for them now. So that's what it's all about. Great. Well put. Thank you. So I, I'm going to sort of just start with some of the issues that you address in the book, and we will in no way be able to hit them all. But I want to just start with some of those because I think they're real. They were the, some of the ones that I picked out as. Ones that I thought that our listening audience might resonate with. So, um, in terms of the idea of reform, we we typically think of reform as either self or other improvement. And generally speaking, as a as a society, it's other improvement. Yeah. We want to reform other people. So, can you speak to that issue? Well, if you are going to if you're going to think that your happiness in life comes from reforming other people, you are never going to find any happiness in life because. You don't even, I don't, I could use it, I could make it personal. If I think my life's going to change from reforming somebody else, I'm never going to be happy because I have no idea what that other person needs to live while they're here. I don't know why they're here, what they came to do, what they came to find, uh, what they what they consider success or failure. So uh, they are living their life, and whatever, no matter what I do, they're going to live their life uh, because that's why they're here. So any changes I want, any changes they make, and any changes they make are for their sake, not mine. So I have to make changes for my sake. If I don't like what is happening in front of me, I don't like who my mirror is, when I consider my mirror the person standing in front of me, if I don't like who they are, it isn't about telling them to be different. It's about asking how they're reflecting a part of myself. 
because I believe that we all um, we live our life uh, in a, we live in a balanced universe, and because the universe is balanced, the cosmos shows how balanced it is. Um, because we live in a balanced universe, um, the universe gives us what we give to others, not because it wants to be cruel, but because it thinks we want to get whatever we give. So whatever we're putting out there, whatever we have in our aura as a gift to other people, and the universe considers everything a gift, whether we think of it as a gift or not, um, it will return the gift to us. And so uh, you have to be the reform you want to see out in the world, and that's the only way you're ever going to uh, create the change that you're looking for. Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. And I think that... You know, that, the whole idea of just adding a little bit to that conversation, the whole idea of, of reforming other people or changing the world. I've heard so many people say, well, I, I, I want to change the world. And first of all, that's a huge pill to swallow. And second, you know, we may not know uh, exactly what the world should or shouldn't be doing. Right. And uh, to, to come at it from that way is, is, is taking a huge amount of energy and assuming that we know what is best for the right. rest of the world. Right. We only have to know what is best for ourselves. And if we are the person that we want other people to be, then we're, we're going to attract those kind of people back to us. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I think it's interesting that in your chapter about morality, you don't exactly address what is typically thought of as morality, but you address the values and the power of love. Can you talk about that just a bit? Well, I mean, for something to be moral, it has to be moral whether it was, uh, came to the, I call the whole of humanity, whether it came to the whole of humanity 10,000 years ago today or 10,000 years in the future. It can't be something that's only moral one time if it's going to be valuable to the whole of humanity. And so it, it, it isn't about, um, it isn't about finding what is universally moral, but what is moral for you as the person you're living because the moral that you live is the moral you're going to attract back. And the minute you put a label on what is moral and what isn't, then uh, you are automatically calling people who don't agree with you wrong. And uh, the only thing that happens from that is you attract people back into your life who call you wrong. It's all about that mirror thing again. You just have to live what you think is moral. And, and I mean, I, the, the third book I'm writing now, the third part of the trilogy, is about Jesus' life and what he did experience when he was traveling. And he talks about the fact that it was very traumatic for him to find that when he left Jerusalem, um, not everything that I, he thought was moral in Jerusalem was moral elsewhere um, because it was people were going through different growth elsewhere, and so they had different ideas for what was moral and what was not. And, I mean, for instance, like one time, uh, like in our history, uh, uh, it was moral for a person to be strong enough to conquer other people and bring them home for dinner. That was moral then because that was what, the country, that, was what that society needed in order to survive. Um, but that's not moral now. And um, so it's moral is, is depends on what humanity is going through and what they need to, to experience in their emotional growth or their soul's growth or whatever, you know, the humanity is going through at that time. It's all yeah. about living and let living. Absolutely, absolutely. So there is some kind of way of sort of letting go of what ought to be happening. Right, there. Yeah. yes. Yeah, you only have to, it's all about the focus on the inner self and what is moral for you because that's, that's the only thing that needs to be your concern because that is what you are attracting back. So you need to be the moral person that you want to attract people into your life and that will keep your life the way you want it to be. But you don't know what other people are here to experience, what they have to go through, you know, what they have to do to find what they're after. And um, so it isn't, 
you just can't um, you can't make that a an out you know you can't there's nothing universal except the only thing actually that I've heard the only thing that is un- a universal truth in our universe is I am mm-hmm. that's the only uni- that's the only idea that is universally true for everyone that they can say that that is comfortable for me I am mm-hmm. yes yeah agree with that so. You know, one of the things that you have in the little questionnaire after that chapter on morals, you talk about um, you, the first question you ask is, what is it that you value the most? And I, I think that's a real interesting um, shift in consciousness, just that very question, because um, what it does is it takes the onus off of trying to figure out what's right and wrong, but puts it on what's valuable and not maybe not so valuable. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. We'll be back in just a moment with more from Betsy Otter Thompson on Walking Through Illusion. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. for a transforming world. 7th Wave Network. Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Science's 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the ION's global community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. That's N-O-E-T-I-C.org. And today we're talking with Betsy Otter Thompson about her book, Walking Through Illusion, and we've been walking through some illusions as we've talked today and uh, looking at some of the issues with regard to reforming others or ourselves and the issues of morality and, uh, and, and, and just trying to reflect a little bit about what that means. And what we said in the last, uh, just before the break, was that um, you made a real shift in consciousness, a real paradigm shift for me as I was reading the book between morality and values. And your question at the, at the beginning of your uh, questionnaire there for each reader was, what do you value the most, not what do you think is the most right or wrong? And I think that shifts things entirely to do that. So I want to just ask a little bit more about that value question and, and what, how, does that, how does that help to ask and answer that question? Well, you know, what you have value is what, what makes you feel good about your life. Um, if you think back on your past when you were a child and you remember certain things that happened in your life, you remember them because they impact on, impacted you emotionally. And, and um, so, you know, our, our, we are here with an emotional history because when we leave here, the, the illusion is gone, gone. And so we have to evaluate what we went through emotionally, how we grew emotionally. And so that is what has value. And, and everything that we go through brings us value in some way emotionally. Um, and that is what the growth, that's what our growth is all about. Even the things that, that seemed to be horrible when we were going through them, you can always look back and see what you, how you grew from having it happened or what you gained or how you found some love from someone or something good happened. And that's what, the, that's the memory that we need to keep alive and that we need to value because that is where all the value is. There is no value. If you leave here and you're full of regrets and unhappiness and disappointment and anger, it's all as if, it's as if you leave here with nothing because when you're beyond this, this, the illusion, that's the, those emotions don't even exist. And so it's like there's this big blank with nothing. So it's all about finding the value of what you have lived and, and what has been important to you and then keeping that alive in your life mm-hmm. and not letting yourself fall back into the idea that somebody did something wrong or you're a victim because something happened to you. There's always something to be gained from what happens to you. And I, I don't believe the soul was here for the first time. So um, we're here to heal the things that we didn't heal in a past lifetime. We're here to we're here to walk through the illusion, which is the picture we see, and is and to heal and to heal the emotion, which is the reality that we bring with us and take with us when we leave here. Right, right, and that picture we see is in part the mirrors that you've talked about. Right. Yes. So you you said we we can attract people, places, things, circumstances, and events that. Uh, give us a reflection of ourselves. So can yes. you say a little bit more about that? Well, I would love to, you know, to share a personal experience I had. When I, when I um, first started doing this writing, the, the, the message was so beautiful to me and um, was changing my life completely. And um, I, was, um, I was a little bit, I have to say, I'm afraid, patronizing with other people in that I was saying, um, you know, my attitude was sort of, well, you know, what's the matter with you that you don't get it? And um, so I, I didn't, 
I didn't, um, I had this person in my life who was reflecting this perfectly. She was, uh, it was in California, and I saw her once in a while, and she would be very patronizing with me when she saw me, and I, she was making me feel awful. So I sat down, like, it was one of those times where I said, you know, this is one of those times where you put your money where your mouth is, and you have to solve this through what you're telling other people. You're telling other people how to solve their problems. Now you have to do it for yourself. So I sat down, and I used a piece of paper. I always use a piece of paper to write things on, because if I don't write it down, ego comes in and tries to make me forget what I was trying to figure out. So I write, wrote down a list of all the ways this person was making me feel. She was making me feel uh, inferior, like I couldn't make a decision, uh, like I was uh, not a valuable person, all this negative stuff that she was putting into me. And I said, well, now, who am I giving this feeling to? And the minute I said that, I realized that I was putting this out to other people, especially this very dear friend of mine who was coming at a crucial time in her life when um, she was deciding what direction she wanted to go. And I was like telling her she, you know, she should listen to me. She didn't know what she should do. It was just it was so obvious to me when I realized that I, when I was willing to admit what I was doing that was drawing this person into my life. So I immediately countered that behavior of calling her and telling her um, that I wanted to reassure her that I believed she knew exactly what she was doing, that her life was, you know, her life was her her creation, and that she. She would create it beautifully. And then after that, um, this other person remained in my life. But when she, and she was still the same way. But when she was that way, it didn't impact me. I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like I had, this, I had this aura with me, and my aura represents everything that I'm putting out there into the universe. So if something comes at me that doesn't, doesn't, isn't compatible with my aura, it doesn't impact into my heart. It just sort of blows, bounces off the aura. And so that was like a huge thing for me because um, it was almost like, you know, you protect yourself. You have to take responsibility. It's all about the taking responsibility idea that's sort of ruled my life, mm-hmm. uh, that if you take responsibility for what you put out there, you know, you're going to get it back. So if you don't like what it is, then you have to be honest with yourself. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and tell everybody that you're, you're a patronizing bitch or anything. <laughs> it just means that you have to, you have to be honest with yourself. Because that's the only way you can recreate, by being honest, by, what, by acknowledging what the moment is. And when the moment is acknowledged and you accept it as what it is, then you're in the position, the powerful position of creating something else. Absolutely. And, I, you know, uh, it's interesting that you said that uh, the emotional impact of her behavior no longer uh, was there for you. Yeah. And I, I think that's when we can tell we've resolved something. Yes. Inside of us. We can sort of go, oh, well, that's just not resonating there anymore. It's just right. And, and you said it bounce, sort of bounces off the aura. That's definitely uh, one way of looking at that. And that, and there is, uh, there's also the sort of, if you just want to put it even in sort of, sort of spiritual, psychological terms, where it's just that, Okay, I'm done with that now. I can move on to something else, and there'll, right. and there'll be another mirror that reflects something that you can need to resolve. And, right. And and we think of these mirrors as you know, when with with regard to the law of attraction, which was, is a whole other conversation, we uh, we tend to think that we attract things to us that are negative because we're thinking negative thoughts. But actually, what you're saying and what I believe is that we're attracting people and places and things and circumstances that will help us evolve. Absolutely, but that's what the mirror is all about. It's not a, it's not a curse, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, people are not a curse in your life, they're a gift to you. They're showing you what, what it needed, what the, where the love is needed in your own life. Right. And, um, and I think that you never have to worry about 
kind of finding your guide because I believe that everybody standing in front of you is that guide. Mm -hmm. They are telling you what your life is about. Yep. So thank you very much, Andrea, for being my mirror right now. (laughs) And ditto, yeah. Yeah, And so that's what you're saying, this process of walking through illusion is being able to see yourself clearly in the mirror. Yes, seeing seeing the real you, the who you are, you know. Um, For something to be real, it has to be real whether we're in form or out of form. And the only thing that's going to be real both places is emotion. So that's that's the real reality of our life, and that's so we're here to walk through the picture to discover what's real about being here, which is our emotional growth. Right, right. And as we grow emotionally, it's it's what you're not saying. That was a big stutter there. What you're not saying is that if you um, that all of our emotions are correct, or that that they are that we should always what they say follow the heart. That means follow every emotion. What you are saying is that our emotions are sort of uh, giving us information that will tell us where we need to grow. Exactly. And, you know, um, there's a, you don't have to, uh, don't deny if you feel hate towards somebody. It isn't about denying that you feel it. It's about accepting it and just letting it become another emotion in your repertoire of emotions. Uh, just because you feel the hate doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. Um, you, your life creates from what you act out towards others. But if you just acknowledge that you feel hate, then, uh, you know, then you're fine. The only, the only way you, you get upset about hate is if you think it's so horrible to have it. I mean, it's just another emotion like any other emotion. It's just a feeling. And, and if you acknowledge it and say, well, there it came up again, but, it's, you know, I don't have to give it any weight. I don't have to give it any focus. I don't have to deal, you know, pour over it for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to recognize that it is just uh, giving us information. It's not really dictating our lives unless we Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, make, just re- rem- reminding you that of the multi-feeling uh, energy that you are. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, we're going to be back in just a few minutes right after the break with more from Betsy Otter Thompson on Walking Through Illusion. Stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Science's 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the ION's global community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with Hosea Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And I want to make an announcement to our listening audience that uh, users of iPod iPhone, BlackBerry, and Android devices can now listen to Voice America and World Talk Radio programs on the go. So if you want to listen to the Authentic Living Show, you might want to download the uh, mobile World Talk Radio mobile application or the Voice America mobile application uh, to on your iPhone or iPod or BlackBerry or Android and be able to listen on the go. So don't miss out on that opportunity. And today we're talking to uh, Betsy Otter-Thompson about walking through illusions, and we've been talking about the whole process, what that means in terms of emotional growth, what it means in terms of being able to, to process through an emotion and move past it, resolve it so that it just doesn't have an impact on you anymore, and then allow others just to be what they are and wait and see what happens. So that's what we've been talking about so far, and I want to I want to talk about this whole boogie bear of seeking approval because I think that's huge, and you talk about it in the book. Um, can you just say something about that process and what it has to do with the process of walking through illusion? Well, um, it's the same idea. Approval cannot be felt until it is given. So um, if you want people to approve of you, then you need to approve of the people around you. And it means, that means uh, releasing them to whatever they need to live. Uh, it, it's it's the, old, the old idea about um, the aura and what you have in your aura. And if you have in your aura the disapproval of people for this or that reason, uh, uh, even people you don't know, if you're disapproving about them, then, then you're inviting that disapproval to come back to you. Uh, and I, I always like to talk about this idea that when you're walking through an illusion, the illusion isn't real, the emotion is real. So when you put out something about somebody who lives maybe even halfway around the world that you don't even know, that person feels that. They don't know where that feeling has come from, but they feel it. It impacts them because there is no separation in reality, only an illusion. So whatever you are thinking or putting out about other people is going out there into the universe to be felt. And so it is going to be all coming back to you. This was a huge thing for me, Andrea, when I got this idea because it meant that when you talked about people behind their backs, they still felt it. And when I was, when I was making some decisions in my life uh, before I went to California and I decided to go and um, uh, I was 
I had made some decisions that I knew my family didn't approve of, and I, they didn't tell me anything, but I felt that approval so heavily, that disapproval so heavily. I guess it was like this thing that just impacted me. I felt that they were disapproving of me. Now, I was disapproving of them, too, and which is, you know, why it was, it was impacting me so deeply. But if they, it was... It was uh, it was so real to me, you know, that feeling was so real to me. I knew what, I knew what they, were, they were thinking. And so it's about, um, you know, if I had been letting go of them and saying, you know, they, they, they have their own opinions and that's fine, I still would have felt that they had disapproved of me, but it wouldn't have hurt me so badly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it isn't, it isn't about getting approval. It's about doing what you feel is right for you because, after all, whatever you, what you, if you do what is you feel is right for you, you're honoring yourself, then that is what is going to attract people back into your life who are honoring themselves. Instead of attracting people back into your life who are full of disapproval over this or that or the other. Right. And, you know, I'm also thinking about uh, those people, as a therapist, I've worked with so many people who who are um, seeking approval of parents that they never got as a child, and they've lived their whole lives bargaining with that nod of approval, hoping that one day that mom or dad will finally say, I'm so proud of you. And um, so, they, so they're giving up on opportunities that are genuine in favor of choices that are not genuine in order to gain their parents' approval. Yes, and I understand that because I certainly am one of those people who went through it. Yeah. So I know, I know all about that feeling of trying to get to approve of you, and it's it's never it's it's never going to happen. And even if it does happen, it isn't going to impact you if you don't approve of yourself. Right. So it works the other way around too. You know, you can have the whole world telling you that you're wonderful, and if you don't believe that, then look at some of the histories of these rock stars that they're getting the adoration of millions and millions of fans, but they're miserable in their life mm-hmm. because they aren't approving of themselves in some way. So it isn't the, the approval of others can never impact your life. It is always coming from in. Life creates from the inside out, not the outside in. Right. And then the flip side of that is when people are talking about, well, I, I'm, I, or living their lives, not even talking about because they're very often unconscious of it, but living their lives for approval, what happens is that they're so afraid of disapproval from other people so they become people pleasers. And in that process, the disapproval just sort of eats them alive. And what you've said here is that the impact of somebody else's disapproval can be worked through. We can we can get to the place in our lives where it doesn't matter whether people approve or not. We're we're okay because we're okay. Yeah, and, and you can never please other people completely because the more you give them what you think they want, the more they want from you. So yeah. <laughs> it's a never-ending well that that is. Uh, full of depletion, and uh, it, it never can work anyway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, it, and the other piece of that is that what you've said is that your own personal approval is very important. So how, can you give us some ideas about how a person might begin to gain their own personal approval? Well, I can, I can gain it with, um, you know, what I went through with this gift of mine. Um, you know, when I, when I discovered that I could do it at five, my, my mother was very close to her grandmother, and so she talked about her all the time because she said I looked like her, and um, she had died a few days before I was born. And I, my mother kept saying that I looked like her, and I thought, well, gee, you know, I was even at that age, I was having trouble getting along with my mother. So I thought that it was a definite asset that I looked like my mother. So 
uh, I mean, my grandmother. So I started talking to her at night to see if I was like her in other ways. And I didn't tell anybody I was going to do this, so nobody told me I couldn't do it. And um, I had been talking for a couple of weeks, and I thought it was perfectly natural. And I, I assumed because I could do it that everybody could do it. I, I mean, I was only five. And so I said to my older sister, I told her what I was doing and, and, um, and asked her what she was, you know, who she spoke to. And that was my first indication of how the rest of the world was going to react to this gift. And she was, she traumatized me so much for three weeks, you know, it was horrible. And I, then I got afraid that she was going to tell other people and they were going to react the way she did. So I stopped doing it completely. Right. And then um, it wasn't until, you know, I, I honored this gift again in, in the middle of my life that I, that I decided I was going to honor it. But still I had to go through that whole thing about other people approving of what I was doing and um, because when I started it, there wasn't a lot of that's going on, and and uh, it, w- it was it was hard to exact just to say that this is who I am, this is what I came here obviously to do. So I just have to be who I am, and um, I've struggled with that a lot through my life because I've, I had so much disapproval when I was a child. When I when I the message when I was beginning this campaign for the book, I was even struggling with a few ideas, and I heard this wonderful message um, that everything was going to be fine because all I had to do was tell the truth. Yeah. And so that was okay. With this book, it's going to be Jesus, not Charlie. <laughs> you <know>? There you <laughs> go. I was just going to tell the truth. And so that's where, you know, the, the, the truth of who you are. So I think that's where self-approval comes from, if you just allow yourself to be who you are and who you came here to be. And... Um, not uh, it isn't important, you know, what other people feel about it. It's important what you feel about it because you are the one living the life. They aren't the ones living your life. Yep, absolutely. And and even if you could give everything to everyone, they still it would still not satisfy you because you've got unmet needs inside yourself. Yes, and I and I discovered through this that you know my family is is not. Uh, interested in this at all. None of them are. My children are, but my sisters know, and my parents never were. So it was as if, you know, and I've discovered, really, I've discovered that you don't have to agree with someone to love them. I mean, I still love them, and I still uh, show my love for them, and it doesn't matter if they agree with me or not. You know, that doesn't matter. I always say, would you rather be with a miserable person who agreed with you about everything or with a happy person who didn't? Really? And I've discovered I'd rather be with a happy person who didn't. Absolutely, absolutely. And that brings us to the next. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this as well. Uh, you have a quote. I'm going to quote you as one of the questions you asked in the book about um, John, uh, the author of, I guess we assume, the author of the Gospel of John. You said, did John ever love himself enough to stop being a grave digger? And the answer given was he loved himself enough to stop making it wrong that he was. Yeah, I love that. That was so beautiful, and I and I, I think that's exactly what you're talking about here is to say, I am who I am, and I'm an oak tree. I'm not supposed to be a pine tree. I'm supposed to be an oak tree. So I, let me see if I can be the most happy and fulfilled oak tree I can possibly be. Right, right. And I can give you another personal story about that because when I was in California, I was very poor and. I had gone to college and gotten a degree, and I always thought that, you know, I should be using my college degree. But when I was out in California, I was just doing temp work, and I was 
um, it just seemed that everything that the universe kept shoving this temp work in my face, whether I wanted it or not. And um, and I and I was unhappy being a secretary because I felt that I should be doing other things. But no matter how much I wanted to do other things, it was only the temp work that kept coming toward me. Mm-hmm. So I finally said, you know, when the, when the writing began, I finally said, like it was a like a prayer one evening that that if I'm going to be a secretary, then I'm going to get the the best darn secretarial job this city has to offer. <laughs> and three weeks later, I had the job. Wow. Three weeks later, I had I was the I was the the sixth person hired at Castle Rock Entertainment. It was like they had only been in business one day, and I was hired. And I stayed with my boss for the next eighteen years when he went to Warner Brothers. So it was finally when I finally said, "Okay, this is what I am now. I am now a secretary." <laughs> and so, okay, if I and I accepted that idea, but once I accepted it, I said, "And since I am, then I'm going to have a some kind of dynamite job." <laughs> And so that's what happened. Wonderful, yeah. And that uh, and that is the process of uh, a big, huge part of the process of walking through illusion is acceptance. Yes, it absolutely is. And one of the biggest things we can accept is who we are, where yeah. we are, ourselves as the oak tree. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, and the other idea that you talk about it, and we we may just have a few minutes, and we may have to come back to it after the break, but. Um, well, as a matter of fact, we probably need to go ahead and take the break right okay. now. We're going to come back and talk about getting stuck in painful ideas or paradigms, okay? So we'll be back right after the break. Stay tuned for our final segment with Betsy Otter-Thompson on Walking Through Illusion. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Sciences 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the IONS Global Community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. we're back with our final segment with Betsy Otter Thompson on her book, Walking Through Illusion. And uh, what I want to do right now is sort of let you, Betsy, tell the listening audience how they might connect with you or learn more about you and your work. Well, they can go to my website, which is www.betsythompson.com. And from there, um, they can go to my blog or they can go to Twitter or Facebook and connect up with me. Uh, they can go to the, to the PR um, the PR section and find out where I'm going to be on the radio again, and they can listen in or call in, and um, they can read more about the book and the other books that I've written, and so that's www.betsythompson.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So, okay, the next thing I wanted to talk about, and I think it's a real important piece of this process of walking through illusion, is the idea of getting stuck in a painful idea or a, or a painful paradigm. Can you say something about that and how how we might be able to sort of process through that? Sure. In fact, I can use personal experience again because um, I had such a terrible time with my mother, and it was as if she and I were like complete opposites. You know, whatever I didn't I didn't like her priorities. I didn't like um, what she thought was important, and and I didn't I didn't like the the, her philosophy of life. Um, And we had a we clashed continually, and. what happened, though, and I, and I had a lot of pain, pain, painful memories around that. I felt that she uh, sabotaged me. Sometimes she did sabotage me. <laughs> she had anger, too, toward me. And um, so, But what happened is that I, when I got these ideas about um, you can look at things in two different ways, um, there was another way to look at this, and that she was a, really a catalyst for me because if she had not been such an, an anathema to me, it wouldn't really have pushed me to find a philosophy that did work for me. So it was almost as if, you know, when I could see her as a gift to as someone who was really pushing me, pushing me to find what I needed to find in life, then I can look back on this painful experience and I can see the growth that, that happened because of it. And then it is sort of held within my heart in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's what all, you know, uh, I think, you know, I, I really believe, Andrea, that the people who challenge us the most love us the most, because who else would care that we grow? Yeah. And you think about it. So, and I have this vision of being, um, before getting here, uh, planning the journey with all the people who love me the most, and, and I'm saying, well, I need to grow in this area, and then somebody jumps in and says, oh, well, I'll challenge you that way, because I have to learn this, something else about that. And then, you know, somebody else jumps in when you have another challenge you need to overcome, and they say, oh, I'll, I'll do that one for you, because I need this, and such and such. And so, it's all being, you know, choreographed in terms of what, how we can help each other grow and how we can push each other to find ourselves and be honest and acknowledge personal integrity and, and learn to evolve as you know and so when and I think when we get back when we when we leave here it's going to be the same thing again they're going to say oh wasn't that fun when we had that challenge together and I pushed you to do this and you pushed me to do that and and so it's really shouldn't be taken quite as seriously as we always take it and and um, we can we can look at what happened 
even the most awful tragedies have something to gain from having gone through them. Something, some love that you didn't that you didn't have before developed with someone because of it, or or some wonderful compassion came to you that you didn't know you were capable of feeling. Mm-hmm. Or you know these wonderful miracles you hear about. I heard about years ago. I heard about this woman who had uh, her son was gunned down by a, 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 a gang member. And what this woman did, I have never forgotten it. She actually went to the jail and befriended the killer because she knew that he had only done that out of a lack of love in his life. So she went to the jail and, and all his visiting days, and and gave him the love that she thought he was probably missing. And after he he came out of jail. He, she, she recommended that he come out of jail, and he came to live with her, and he became the son she lost. Wow. And so, I mean, it's, it's just that this is, what the, this is what the transformation of love can do for you. And um, so I always try to see it that way in my life. Anything that happened, um, uh, you know, in the past that had a lot of pain around it, I try to say, well, what did I gain from having to go through that? What, did I, what do I have in my life now that otherwise I would not have? Yep, as corporate America would say, what's, what's the takeaway? Yeah, you, there's definitely some kind of takeaway in every event of our lives, every circumstance, every encounter with another person. Yes. And, uh, yeah, whether you believe in uh, any particular religion or whether you believe in, uh, uh, you know, any particular philosophy, still, if you go looking for the gift in any particular thing, you will find it. And that doesn't mean we have to live in a fairy tale world where we pretend that things are nice when they're not. What that does mean is that even in its very ugliness, there's something that we can find that we can take away from it. Right. And also, I would like to add that negativity is a habit. It's a habit that you do over and over and over again, and then just becomes, you know, whatever you give attention to is going to expand. So uh, it's a habit. And to get into the habit of seeing the positive, it has to, you have to, to repeat it over and over and over again um, and so it, until it becomes a stronger habit than the negativity is. Mm-hmm. It, we are in charge in that way. We, we, have, we have free will. We can direct our thoughts. We can decide, well, if that, no, that thought isn't really pleasing me, it's depressing me, I don't want to think that anymore, I want to think about this. And then you actually think about it. You know, you don't just say, I'm going to think about it. You think about it <laughs> and because that's, that's where the, the act of the action has to happen. You have to actually think about it and make sure, I mean, you're, you cannot hold um, incompatible ideas in your head at the same time. It's like, oh, you can't mix oil and water. They have to be compatible thoughts. So if you've got negativity, there won't be any positivity. If you have positivity, there's no room for the negative. So, and I think also this is what healing is all about, too, because I think whatever you hold in your mind goes to the body. So if you're full of a lot of negativity, the body thinks negativity is love and it, and it manifests in the body. So you want to, you want to, um, you want to manifest, you want to be in a positive, upbeat way or seeing life for what it has given you, not what it has taken away, as you said, take away again. In fact, I had, a, I had a, my, I did a spontaneous healing by, by discovering, um, something about that. Would you like to hear about that? We have just a few more minutes, yeah. Well, I had a, I had a, a lump in my back, and um, it was a, a kind of scary to me because I have a history of cancer in my family. So I went to the doctor, and she said, well, I want you to go in tomorrow morning for an MRI. And um, so I said, okay. And then I went home that night, and I, said to my, I looked in Louise Hayes' book under lump, and it said um, holding grudges. 
And as soon as I read that, as soon as I read Holding Grudges, I realized exactly how I've been holding a grudge against someone in my family for the last three months. I'd just come back from the East Coast from, to the East Coast from the West Coast, and, and they were in my life again. And I was reliving all that, that anger I had about the grudge. So I did a deep meditation that night, and I released... Uh, all the feelings and said, now what have, how have I grown from going from my, from that person being that way with me? What have I gained? What have I learned? And I was, when the deepest meditation I was ever in, and I felt this creamy light come up through my legs and up through my body, a, a stream of creamy light. And so I thought, wow, that was amazing. So then I went in for the MRI the next day, and the nurse called me in the afternoon. She said, well, the MRI didn't show it, so we need to go in for more tests. And I said, well, let me just tell you what happened. And so I told her what I did and what happened, and she said, well, come in this afternoon and let me take another look. So I went in, and, and the lump was gone. So, you know, this is, this is what is about taking personal responsibility for the fact that the lump was in my back and that I had somehow done something, of, you know, put something out in there that was, that was negative that I put right into my body because I was putting it out and then saying, well, I don't have to look at it that way. I can look at it differently. I can see this as a way that forced me to grow, that forced me to go off and find my own ideas, that forced me to be more independent. And then it was just as if, you know, this, this wonderful healing happened. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I, I want to uh, be real clear that we're not saying that, you said a little while ago that hate, you can have a hateful feeling, but it doesn't mean that, that it has to take over your life. So in the same way we can have quote-unquote negative thoughts, but the idea is that we are uh, we have lots and lots of thoughts going on all the time, and some negative and some positive, but that we, that we recognize them, that we process through them, that we begin right. to, to, right. to own them and take responsibility for the impact on our lives. Right, and I was in that negative grudge holding it for about four months, and that's when it manifested, not one day, and um, so... Yes, that's exactly right. It's just, you know, if I had just acknowledged it when I first felt it and said, oh, well, there's that feeling again, but look what I learned, then, then I, I wouldn't have to go through the lump showing me what, where my mind was. Yeah, and I think it's interesting it was in your back because the back is what's behind you in your unconscious. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. Andrea, thank you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I think, I think the back is a very interesting little place on our bodies. Okay, well, I have loved talking with you. It's been wonderful to talk with you, and I'm sure our listening audience has gained tremendously from what you've had to say. And so thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Andrea. I really enjoyed it. And next week we're going to be talking to Dr. Shafali Tasbari about conscious parenting. This is such a very important issue as we're planning on the future of our world as we raise our children, so you don't want to miss this one. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thank you.